Welcome to the Femme Fatale podcast, where we interview some of the coolest female-identifying folks in film. This episode, we have the absolute honor to welcome our first guest all the way from sunny California, Amber Benson. Amber is an actress, director, producer, and writer based in LA. She has quite an impressive IMDb page with credits from 1993 to 2019. She has acted in several TV shows and movies, has directed and co-directed her own shorts, shows, and features, and has a variety of credits as a producer, editor, and writer of even more shows and films. You may recognize Amber from the TV show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where she played Tara, who was notably one of the first openly lesbian characters on a TV show that aired in the States. Today, we will sit down with her to talk about her life in the industry, what it means to be femme in film, and some other little tidbits and stories. So stay tuned for Amber Benson. Yeah, I guess I guess the way that I would introduce myself, because this is funny, you spend your whole life going, well, what am I? Mm-hmm. Am I like a person? Am I a woman? Am I a filmmaker? Am I a writer? What am I? Um, and I think the thing that, that I feel defines me the most is probably like a, a maker of things. I like to make things and that I'm driven constantly to make things, even if I know no one is ever going to see them. If I have an idea for something, I just have to, like, get it out. Right. Um, and it's always been that way. Like, I, I look back through all of the stuff that my mom saved, all of my, like, crafty weird. And they're, like, they're journals and journals of little stories and bad poetry and weird plays from the time I was a little kid. Um, I've just always needed to get whatever was in my head out. And I think that is that is the thing that defines me is that I cannot have an idea and not put it out into into my world. Because I was like, well, am I am I a person? Is it my humanity? Is it how I deal with other people? Is that what makes me me? And I'm like, that's a part of me. Is it being a woman? That's a really big part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Is it making my films or writing books? And like, those are all parts of what I do. But it's that drive to leave things behind. Right. That sort of defines me and is it um, more about like the creation or is it more about like having something at the end if that makes sense like the process or being like oh I realized this idea and here it is um I'm sitting here nodding as you're talking I'm like huh yeah yeah <laughs> um, no but uh, uh the uh the, the end product is very satisfying but for me it's the journey Right. It's the having the idea and then figuring out the like puzzle of how I'm going to make it happen. That's why that's one of the reasons I love writing so much because of the rewriting. Like I never thought I would be one of those weirdos. It's like I love to rewrite the stuff I do. It's all in the rewriting, but it really is all in the rewriting because the first vomit draft that you get out is so all over the place and it's just the amorphous idea right. of what you want to talk about. Whereas when you start to revise and rewrite, you are refining and finding things you didn't know were in there and pulling things forward and pushing things back. And sometimes it takes you on a whole new, like a character will be like, nope, not going to do that. Like, but, but that's what I want you to do. And they're like, nope. And so all of a sudden you've got like two, two characters getting together that you're like, uh, they were not supposed to be a couple. I don't know what happened there. Um, <laughs> and I think that to me is the, is the, the sort of crystallizes what, what's intriguing to me about the process of making things. It's that journey to get to the end. It's the, it's the, the, the process. It's not, it, the end is great and satisfying, but it's the, mm-hmm. it's the process. Totally. I love that idea too, that like 
what you create takes on a life of its own. And I think that's so interesting to talk about, especially like in film and in some of the stuff I've created where I definitely think through the drafts, whatever it is that I'm making becomes more and more independent. And those moments where you suddenly like find yourself changing without really knowing why and then you like can reflect and learn more about yourself and your art at the same time it's like this whole involved moment and yeah that's pretty cool uh they say that that theme kind of comes at the end Mm -hmm. like it's when you go back through and you look at the finished piece and you look at the process and you look where you started and you go oh this is what i was actually trying to talk about i just didn't have the words to talk about it until i went through this whole journey Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this, okay, this is an unintentionally big question. Um, I wasn't planning on making it this deep, but <laughs> um, in in high school, we always used to talk about in our film courses um, that we would always be asking the same question through all of our work. And at the end of our uh, four-year program, we were asked to distill what that question was, which honestly for a high school film program was kind of crazy. Whoa. It's very existential, <laughs> but... Um, I thought that was super, and, and I think a lot of us came to some answer of like, oh, it's a bunch of these things, and it's dancing around these themes, um, but on the spot, do you have something that you think you always come back to? I, I think there are a couple of things that I am kind of obsessed with. Um, I'm very interested in mother-daughter relationships. Mm. Um, and how those work (laughs) I'm always taking that apart I'm always trying to understand both perspectives because I've been a daughter I've never been a mother but I kind of I kind of want to understand the mother perspective and so I have to sort of psychologically dig into it right Um, there's also the like you are you are special like that's an intriguing sort of theme for me that like we're all special we all have unique things that make us that make us amazing and finding those things and accepting them and not trying to hide them under a bushel as mm. my therapist says <laughs> um, like don't hide your light under a bushel but I think as a woman specifically we spend a lot of time making ourselves very small right and we have been taught that like we are best when we don't talk about what we need, that people like us more when we are selfless and that we're more interested in what's going on with them. And so for me, it's a journey always to find what the character actually needs and wants and to, to give her that. Right. Or that. Um, that's very important to me thematically. Um, and then I, I, I love magic. It always finds a way in, in some small, even if it's just like a, like a, a real mad, you know, like the reality is magic. It's not like, like Harry Potter magic, but the magic of finding the person you're going to be with or finding something inside of yourself that, that makes you more confident. It's that there's something magic about everything that I do. I try and find those, like those little magic moments. I am very curious I always want to figure stuff out. I want to learn new things. And so that's really the impetus to like finding all of these sort of like different disciplines and and learning about them. They're all kind of interrelated, but I I just, I can't not when I, when I see something that interests me, I have to learn about it. I just, I get bored. I I get bored. That's really the truth. That's why 
writing is so intriguing to me or filmmaking because you're you're doing working on different projects all the time um i had the hardest time being an actor on a tv show because it was repetitive right and i got bored um i enjoyed the show it was an amazing experience um but and there and there were really amazing parts to it but i as as like a as like a creative person i was like oh I know who this person is and you're just, you, you've, you've lived in them so much that, that there's nothing, you're not, you're not finding a ton of, you find new things occasionally, mm-hmm. but you, you kind of know, oh, I'm going to be in the corner doing a magic spell from, you know, the back away from everybody. That's what <laughs> she rolls. Um, and, uh, and she's, and she's amazing. And it's probably the thing I'm most proud of as far as like a, in a social, cause I played, you know, a lesbian witch on a TV show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer it was the first long-term lesbian uh, relationship on network television in the States. And, uh, and that in itself is a beautiful, amazing thing. Mm-hmm. But as far as like what she was going to be doing episode to episode, I usually knew how it was going to shake out. Um, so I wasn't as, I wasn't as um, creatively fulfilled in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was writing and making little films and doing other stuff on the side in order to keep myself my creative self engaged. Um, but I think the thing I, I, I really do love the most is the writing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, you're a director, you understand, like you are all consumed when you are making a film. Mm-hmm. It takes over your whole life. It is like giving birth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and then watching your kid go off into the world. Like it's so, it's so intense and painful and overwhelming. And I love the process and I love doing it. But it's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And I realized that the thing I really enjoy the most is the puzzle pieces of the writing part of the filmmaking, because I usually write what I make. Um, and the writing is me sitting down alone at my computer, and it doesn't matter. Like, I don't need someone to give me money to do it. I don't need a crew. I don't need actors. I don't need all this stuff. I don't need, you know, anything but my pajamas, my computer, <laughs> and a cup of coffee. Being a woman in this industry is very, very difficult. It's, you know, it's that, it's that old line from, from the Ginger Rogers, Fred Astaire sort of movies that, you know, Fred Astaire is amazing, but Ginger Rogers does it backwards and in heels. Right. And that's just the truth. As a woman, we have so many things working against us. And it, until recently, I found that there was sort of a one-and-done mentality. Like, if one woman got in, It wasn't this, like, let me reach out a hand to you. It was, oh, I'm with the guys. I have to be like the guys. I have to act like I'm not a woman, and I cannot help other women. And that is changing. And Mm -hmm. now you are really seeing women supporting each other and being there for each other and raising raising a hand to, like, lift up the next generation. Um, And there were always those women who who lived that way, but I feel like they were were the minority, and now they're becoming the majority. So I'm really hoping that we see that, that sea change and we start to see women and people of color really moving into positions of power and helping each other moving forward. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that that second part is so essential too. I mean, to the 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 frustrating part about systems that work against us is that they will continue to work against us and mm-hmm. and we have to be part of of the change to make them for us and to make them accessible and all of that. Um yeah, which is so important. I guess one of my questions was actually how has being a woman influenced your experience in this industry? Um, which I'm, I'm hearing some bad. <laughs> um, 
Um, yeah, I was wondering if you wanted to talk more to that. And then also if yeah. there's, if there's, if there have been by chance any positives that are like, oh, <laughs> this is really great. Um, I like to try to keep inspiring other women to like, totally. you know, but I know it's also the rea- we have to talk about the reality of, of what it's like. Um, so that can be a bit contradictory. <laughs> um, but yeah. So um, for a really long time, I didn't see myself as a woman. When I wouldn't get a job or when things didn't go the way I wanted them to, I would go, oh, it's because they don't like what Amber's doing. Mm. I didn't think of it like, oh, they don't like me because I'm a woman. I just, in my mind, I was really lucky. My parents were very, very supportive of all the creative things that I wanted to do. And they always told me I could do whatever I wanted to do. I could be whatever I wanted to be. And so I really wasn't saddled with this idea that I was lesser because I had a vagina. <laughs> like that, like, and I feel like a lot of women are raised that way where they're told, mm-hmm. oh, you are a woman, you can't do what men do. And we believe this stuff because it's force-fed to us. It's just shoved down our gullets. And it's just not true, number one. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I guess there should be a number two, but there's no number <laughs> Just um, number one. Keep it at that. Number one. Um, one and only one, no. But uh, so for a very long time, I was just like, eh, it's just me. They don't like me. But then I started like getting a, a crew of women who were creative and I started, it was so much easier to see it when I was looking at other people's stories. You're right. like, oh, you're amazing. You do all this cool stuff and you didn't get the job and that ding dong, you've done nothing. Who's a man got the job. Like I don't under, oh, it's cause it's cause you're a woman. And I started to see it through that lens mm-hmm. and it was very elucidating and I still like, even though I, in the back of my mind, I go, yeah, there are things I don't get because I'm a woman. I also am like, you know what? I can't live that way. Like, mm-hmm. I'm aware of it, but I cannot live in that headspace because it will trip me up. I have to just go, I am a unique person who's named Amber, and there are things that Amber does that people are not going to get excited about, and that's just the truth. And yes, some of it may also be because I'm a woman, probably mostly because I'm a woman, but it doesn't matter. I can't, I can't live that way or else I'll start to get in that, that place where I feel like I'm not good enough in some way or right. that I'm, that I'm, I'm limited in some way, which is bullshit. Cause yeah. women are just as good as men. We're, we're all different. We all like the genders. There are things that, you know, are different about us, but equal and we should all be treated the same way. Um, and you know, we're working toward that. Like I said, uh, but, you know, I think to me that I just have that mindset that like, I'm just going to ignore the, the shit that comes at me because I'm a woman and I'm just going to focus on what can Amber do to fulfill the things that she wants to do creatively for herself mm-hmm. and focus in that world. And maybe that's a positive. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is definitely, I definitely see it around me with the, with the, the people that I am friends with. It's a constant struggle. But on the other hand, the benefit of being a woman who's writing uh, sort of mystery stuff, which is what I've been sort of doing on the side, my, my sort of day job has been writing these true crime Lifetime Channel movies and mystery things for Hallmark, and they are very female-centric, these networks, mm. and they very much want women writing and producing and directing and starring in these things. And so because I'm a woman, I have entree into that world in a way that I think uh, a lot of men wouldn't. Right. So there's a positive in there that I get to, to, to make a living making these fun 
mysteries or these really intense psycho, you know, psycho thriller or true crime things that are all very intriguing to me and are psychologically exciting to explore um, and are interesting from a plot perspective, especially with mysteries. Um, but uh, but yeah, that that's a world that opened to me primarily because I'm a woman. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting what you say about about um, seeing your like. I guess just your nose, like when, when you're told no, seeing that as being as being an obstacle and then whether or not it's an obstacle because you're a woman. Um, it is interesting to say that sometimes it's more helpful just to say, you know, some people won't like what I'm doing and, and, and that's okay because um, I like that you're going after what you're creatively involved in and interested in personally and that that's more important beyond trying to cater for anyone else, regardless of whether or not you're trying to cater for like a crowd of women who just don't like your work or a crowd of men who don't like your work because you're a woman like it it is true that whatever is most important should always just be that you're creating what you believe in I think that is amen right there (laughs) (laughs) I I think it's it's the key yeah you have to create the things that you want to see the minute you start trying to create things for other people it's over Mm-hmm. Because you're never going to please them. They are never going to give you the validation mm-hmm. that you are looking for. The only way to get that is to go, you know what? This is something I want to see on the on TV or this is a book I, the, uh, that I want to read or this is a, a, a piece of work that I want to make. And by the end of it, I fulfilled that need inside of myself to see that thing. And what's really nice now is you're starting to see people with unique voices getting the stage their stuff is actually being put out into the world to be consumed by the mass market versus like a niche sort of presentation Mm -hmm. Um, and that's happening a lot for people of color and for women you are and we're so bored with the stories because you know television and film a lot of it is just regurgitated stuff we've already seen because we've told so many of the the cis white male perspective mm-hmm. yeah we've seen that story so many times and you can only put a, a unique spin on it so many times before you're just like okay i'm done and we have all these other people who have amazing stories to tell we've never heard them before mm-hmm. you know like when we open that floodgate, we're going to be like inundated with amazing points of view. And I'm so excited to st- see that starting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think it's so interesting when, when I think when I was a bit younger and I realized that like independent film is a thing, <laughs> I yeah. just got so excited um, because I was realizing that all of the people and the stories and the voices that I wanted to be hearing about were were just not being you know, funded to be on the big screen at Cineplex, but they were still there and they were still talking and they were still sharing all this really interesting content. Um, And it is, I I think there is like, you know, some sort of nostalgic value of having something that feels like it's unique to a certain group and it's still small and it's still independent, but also it's so great to see some of those stories being projected even bigger and bigger and know that, you know, people are going to grow up just having those as part of their repertoire rather than realizing when they're like 16 years old that there's people who are like them and trying to make art that's similar to what you're trying to do and all that kind of stuff too. So, uh, yeah. But there's something really exciting. It's the same. It's no different than like listening to an album versus going to see a show. Mm -hmm. It's just a different energy and they're both useful and wonderful but I, I prefer the synergy of 
of a real space. I love that inner that interaction. But I love that you're trying to find a way to bridge that gap between mm -hmm. them by doing this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely the idea of bridging the gap is very much the bridge. Like, I should get to the <laughs> other side as the idea is to get back to that in-person connection. Because I definitely feel like when you walk when you walk into a good festival, and this will actually be a successful segue into a question, um, if you, <laughs> when you walk into a good festival, I feel like you can feel the energy of so many creatives in one room. And I think there's something just so awesome and so connected about that moment that I just absolutely love. And I think like as a creative, even though, I mean, I think it's true, a lot of, a lot of creatives are doing kind of hermit work, you know, if you're, especially if you're making films, uh, on your own you you might just be sort of working from or in your editing studio on your own but it's so nice to come out of that shell and be like oh my god there's all these other people and they have the same like they it's just the same like energy about them and we're all here together and just collaborating all of that awesome creative like excitement which is so cool um which which brings me to my question about your first big festival experiences like what is what are your sort of like associations with festivals? Did you have like one festival experience where you were like, oh my God, this is so inspiring or this is so great or I'm just really proud to be here. What's, uh, what are, do you have any cool stories about festivals? Well, I've, I've experienced festivals in three unique ways. All right. <laughs> the first way I experienced festivals was as an actor, being in a mm. film and going to like Sundance and that experience of like, you go to parties and you get your picture taken and you do a Q&A where you're not really the focus, but you pipe in with some stuff. Um, and it's very much about being seen and like talking about your film and like it's very kind of, it's intense and not really my favorite part of going to a festival. Because mm -hmm. um, you're just, I don't know, to me it doesn't, it's not my thing, you know, I, I'm not really, I don't really like the, the, like, going to the parties and taking the pictures and stuff, I just, mm -hmm. and I feel weird, I, I, I'm not a party person, <laughs> I get all nervous, and I drink, you know, one drink and stand in the corner, and I feel totally like, okay, I'm ready to go home now, <laughs> um, but then I've been as a filmmaker, and that's a really fun perspective, when mm -hmm. you made something, and you get to go, and you get to see an audience, see the film as an actor I don't like to watch myself mm, yeah so I oftentimes at a screen or whatever will get up and leave because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I don't really want to see me but as a filmmaker um it's different you just you want to see people's reactions to the film um and I've been in films that I've made and I've screened those and the way I deal with that is like I just disconnect from the character and the person like the I'm like her the girl on screen when she does that um, because I can't actually be like that's me right um, and that's how I edit too when I when I'm cutting something that I've been in it's just I just disconnect myself <laughs> and tether from that character and that that performance I'm like that's that actor doing the thing um, but as a filmmaker when it's your film you're not in it and it's just the most amazing experience to watch it with an audience um, I took a, a film that I co-directed called Drones to Slamdance, which is a film festival that happens on currently with Sundance in Park City. It's an amazing festival. Um, it's very much first-time filmmaking. Like, they want to find new people and give them a platform. It's, it's a wonderful festival. 
um, and I made so many wonderful friends. And it really did all the films that were in our year. We felt very like fraternally towards, like we were brothers and sisters in arms. Mm-hmm. And it was just a wonderful, and I remained friends with a lot of the people, and it was just a really great experience. Um, and then I have been a, a programmer. I program for Slam Dance. Oh, cool. And that was really interesting to be on the other side and to be a part of a festival when you, and I actually didn't end up going the years that I programmed, but like <laughs> I was part of that whole world of like, well, who's going to end up in this film festival? And it's an amazing process to watch all of these movies to see how much effort people put in so many passion projects and, and people's hearts on display. And it's, it's just a really fun experience to, to sort of be on that side of things and to champion people and to be like, this person has a voice. I want to make sure that they get to go out into the world and have people see this movie. Mm-hmm. If you had just like complete unlimited resources, what would be the story you'd want to tell? I mean, it sounds like most of the projects you've gone after have been of your own creative drive anyways, but is there something that you'd be like, oh, if I had all the special effects, all of the cast, all of the music elements, all of the everything in the world, this is what I would get? Um, let's see. You're right. A lot of the things that I'm excited about are things that I'm generating myself, but if I'm going to go out into the world um, and, and there's a project that I'm like, that book I want to adapt, um, mm-hmm. it would be... Um, uh, there's an author named Marsha Pessel, or Mar- Marsha, I-, I can never say her name right, <laughs> um, but she did a, a book called Night Film, and she also uh, wrote a book called uh, uh, Calamity, uh, uh, something Calamity in Physics, ah, my brain's not working. Anyways, <laughs> she wrote a book called Night Film, mm-hmm. and it is awesome, and I just, I, I don't know, I fell in love with it, and I was like, this would make an amazing movie or a limited series I just would love to do something with that uh it's about like a Kubrickian filmmaker who made these kind of crazy underground cult films and his daughter commits suicide he's out of the public eye and there's this journalist who's kind of chasing him trying to get like the story about why he went underground it's got all of this sort of like mythology to it and it's really really interesting i'm i'm a big fan of that i would i would just love to do that and then there's um a book series that i fell madly in love with um and uh i'll tell you the name of of those books they're the claire dewitt books uh they were written by sarah gran it's like i think claire dewitt in the city of the dead and Let's see, Claire DeWitt, uh, Infinite Black to the Infinite Blacktop. Anyways, they're like sort of hard-boiled, detective-y sort of noir books with a female protagonist who's a total badass. But there's this like crazy backstory that has like this magic sort of like spooky, weird sort of component to it that sort of filters into how she does her crime solving. I don't know. It's great. Awesome. It's a great series. That so, so those cool. are the two things that I would love, love to take and, and make my own if I could. Mm-hmm. If you were to give advice to yourself at the beginning of your filmmaking career, what would be the one thing that you would just like scream at your younger self? Like, this is most important. Be brazen. 
Mm. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. And don't let whether they are going to like what you do or not be at all configured into how you approach the world. Um, if you have something just, you know, like a project you're working on, something you've written, just give it to people. Mm-hmm. Don't feel bad about it. Don't feel like you're imposing. They don't have to read it if they don't want to. And if they don't like it, they don't like it. Don't let that destroy you. Just move forward, be brazen, and put your stuff out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a woman specifically, like, I see dude filmmakers and writers who are like, here's my thing. I'm awesome. Here's my thing. And for women, you're like, well, here's this thing. Like, you may not like, you know, we always qualify and we do apologies. and Just don't do any of that. Just be like, I'm awesome. Here's my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to read it, great. If you don't, no big deal. Mm-hmm. Let it be at that. Don't apologize for it. Don't, don't worry that they're going to be offended or be mad at you. Like, not everybody's going to like you and you just got to live with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so, that's so awesome. And I mean, I think failure and like be handling nice about it. Yeah. Be, be nice about it. Don't be a dick. Yeah. Be like in, in, in empathetic in how you approach people, like listen to them and take their cues. But you know, don't sell yourself short. Don't apologize for yourself. The thing is like, you have to find your group of people whose opinions you respect. Yeah. And they are the notes that you take to guide you to make your stuff better yeah some random person that you don't know giving you notes about something that they don't really care about isn't going to help you because you're just going to get people's perspective but if you have some like if you have a writer's group or you have a creative critique group or you have collaborators that's where you find the people that are going to to give you the most thoughtful and helpful notes Mm -hmm. yeah and I think that's so important too when handling like any kind of failure or roadblock or something that feels like a really big obstacle like or or even advice and perspectives and I, I'm guessing when people um have ha- bring films out into the world and they have a lot more views like you know you're eventually going to get some people who don't like it and who are going to voice that in an angry way but um you have to choose what what advice is valuable to you and, and you can just say, hey, you know what? It's good that you think that, but that's also, you're not part of my core group who's going to help me get this to the next level. And um, yep. and ultimately, yeah, that kind of has to just be your answer because there'll, be there'll be a lot of negative stuff out there and you don't need to listen to it. Yeah, I totally agree. I wish I, wish I had known that. Um, my last real question was, uh when you were a kid what did you want to be when you grew up and then a follow-up what do you want to be when you grow up now (laughs) no that's a I love that that is a great ender uh when I was a little kid I wanted to be an actor I had um but it's funny because I think it was just my entree into into like what I actually wanted to do was to make make stuff Mm mm-hmm um, but acting was like feasible in Birmingham, Alabama, where I grew up. Um, I did ballet when I was little and, mm-hmm. uh, we did the Nutcracker Suite and I loved it. Not the dancing, but the being on stage and having people do this for you. <laughs> um, the clapping, it was all about the clapping. And then my mom realized that I really liked being on the stage. And so we segued into doing like drama stuff. There was like this thing called the town and gown theater in Birmingham. And I took, took classes and did the plays and like, it was an amazing experience. Um, 
but it was an entree into that creative world. And so I thought that's kind of what I wanted to do was to just be an actor. And, and then I was like, Oh, I'll make my own stuff because I'll have cachet as an actor and they'll let me like make my own movies. And, but, uh, so that's, that's what I wanted to be when I was, was little. Um, and then now, uh, as, as, as I am growing up again, because I truly feel like the beauty of my life has been the reinvention of my life. I have been so many different things and it's such a blessing to, to have that and to not look at them as failures, but to look at them as rebirth, mm-hmm. you know, we yeah. spend so much time working towards something. And if we don't make that happen, it then becomes a failure. And I'm like, okay, that didn't happen, but I learned all this cool stuff doing it. And, you know, I didn't get where I wanted to get, but like, here's this other thing that I'm really interested in. So I'm going to reconfigure mm-hmm. and yeah, And it's like having lived five different lives in one. Like it's, it's really, I, I, I find it a joy, not a, not a, a failure. Um, so the reinvention, um, I would like to run a TV show. I'd like to be a showrunner. Awesome. That's, that's not that far away from <laughs> We'll see. It would be, it would be really nice. And it actually, when I, when I look at it, it is, it is the sort of, um, the moment where I take all of my disparate skill sets and put them together because to run a television mm-hmm. show is to be a writer, is to be a director, is to be a creative, is to be a leader, to, to understand actors and, and, and crew people and points of view and psychology it's all the things that I'm interested in. Yeah, that's awesome. That's that's a great sort of like culmination of all of those interests coming into yet another interest that will hopefully inspire another culmination. I feel like that's kind of there's endless possi- there's endless possibility for new versions of ourselves, and we should always be dreaming. Yeah, and I think the real beauty of life is that you get to go to bed at night and wake up to a new day. So yeah. when you have a crappy day. It's just, you know, there is the, the biggest chance that when you wake up the next morning, you will have sort of dealt with the psychological implications of the bad day and you can be open to having a better day. You know, yeah. like we change, change is constant and change is frightening and scary, but it is also the reason that new things happen and that we get to move forward and, and grow. Yeah, totally. Exactly. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for being my first podcast guest. This was an awesome interview, and it was such I a pleasure to talk to you. <laughs> I feel honored. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, bye. Thank you for listening to the Femme Fatale podcast. If you'd like to hear more, please subscribe and follow us on Instagram at Femme Fatale Film Festival. This episode was recorded by Astrid Moore and Amber Benson. The music is courtesy of Epidemic Sound. The track is titled Red Red Shoes and it's by Tsar Donick. I would also like to extend a huge thank you to my lovely team, Naya Hofer, Temple Ray, and Ona Plusenik, and to everyone who has been part of Femme Fatale over the years. Thank you. Signing off for now, catch us next time chatting with another Femme Fatale.